Good morning, good evening, or good night, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome to the Atlantic Discussion Podcast Weekly NFL Edition. The full podcast is featured primarily on Anchor.com and the One Man Island website. I am Trinity Collins. Please visit my Instagram page at One Man Island Productions. Check my check out my website at trinity 2024wixsitecom That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y. 24.wixsite.com and don't forget my YouTube channel. I have sports highlights, radio interviews, and more. And also, I'm, I'm also implementing more articles. I'm currently in journalism class. I'm be writing more articles about, you know, politics, some other stuff that interests me. And also, I might be writing more articles about the NFL that I love. Don't forget, also, we have an excellent show for you guys today. The XFL is returning in about two years in the spring, making its second return. It's having more reboots than Spider-Man at this point. Packers receiving core is right now dwindling. How will they fare against the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday? Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes had a Monday night football game, and Lamar Jackson had a bad day, but let's dissect that more. I'm going to talk about that later on in the podcast. And week four predictions. I'll predict one game from the 1 o'clock session to the 4 o'clock into the prime, one of the primetime games Sunday night and Monday night. That's coming up later in the show. But first, let's discuss the Thursday night football game, Jets versus Broncos. As I'm recording this right now, Adam Gaze is still a head coach in the National Football League. Primarily the dysfunctional and lack of life, the New York Jets. So congratulations, Jets. You have officially become more of a dumpster fire than Jacksonville Jaguars, who, based on how they're playing right now, is more impressive than the Jets' on-field product, which is very impressive to say that that's possible. The fact that these Jets can't beat the Denver Broncos squad with no Drew Locke, no Cortland Sutton, no Von Miller, and many other players that are out with injury is another reason why Adam Gage should be fired as a head coach in the National Football League. Go back to be offensive coordinator. I mean, listen, you did a good job with Payne Manning, even though Payne Manning was an all-time great and he can make any... Offensive coordinator looked great. The only time you actually made hayway hay and actually was impressive is the fact that you actually improved Jay Keller's statistics by a foot. I mean, you didn't really do anything, but you managed to make him look decent, which got you the head job in in Miami. But look, but look at this game for a sec. For example, look at this game. The Jets gave up six sacks, lost the time of possession, committed eleven penalties, and forced three turnovers, and still lost. What's worse is that the Golden Goose, Sam Darnold, has an injured wing. With less than two minutes remaining in the first quarter, quarterback Sam Darnold took a vicious sack from Broncos linebacker A.J. Johnson and immediately appeared to be have dis- discomfort in his right arm, his throwing arm. Adam Gase announced after the game that Sam Darnold suffered a sprained shoulder on that play. You see, guys, this is why... I don't claim a particular sports team as my team and dedicate my life to support that team. Because the pain and the, and the embarrassment doesn't work well with my aura. I don't like having to watch a team constantly self-destruct year after year, game after game, and possibly every front office decision, every head coaching decision, every player decision. I am not willing to go through that. That's the reason why when I was living in Connecticut, I didn't root for the Patriots. I didn't work, root for the Giants. I didn't root for the the Jets, or any team in the near region. I didn't move for the Steelers because it's just too frustrating. I'd rather watch other t- other people go through the hell of rooting for their team and watch the misery than go through it myself. 
That's the reason why I pick certain teams to do well and not dedicate my entire life to say this is my team. Because so I, I will bounce off a team and say, okay, you know, let's see. Because I think about three years ago, I predicted that the Bills would improve. And about many years prior, I said, hey, the Browns can improve because how could you be bad this long with all these draft picks? You just got to get the right coach. And now they, do, now they do have the right coach, and now they're doing well. And plus, I do like having a peaceful and stress-free life. And that's the reason why I'm, I'm saying poor Mike Greenberg. He shouldn't have to suffer through this. For Jets fans, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting dimmer and dimmer as the season goes on, as long as Adam Gase is your head coach. Your next five opponents are the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Bills. And knowing the Chargers' luck, you might actually take off in that game. You might actually win that game and go 1-8. and eight. So congratulations. The only game you win is the Chargers, who have a history of choking and a history of making their six fans miserable. So let me take a swing on how I see this season ending for the Jets. The Jets will finish with 10 losses, maybe more. Adam Gates will be fired midseason. Sam Darnold will get injured again, probably. And the talks of drafting Trevor Lawrence or Justin Field will spark. Now look, Sam Darnold is not to blame here. Remember, Ryan Tannehill was viewed as a bust. He goes to Tennessee, leads into the AFC Championship game, and right now is balling in Tennessee. And, as after he, and that is after he left Adam Gase. I mean, look, he, he never had a top 10 offense outside of Peyton Manning. And again, anybody who's worked with Peyton Manning is going to have a top 10 offense. And it's mostly Manning running the offense. And you're just there calling the plays. There's a difference. All right? It's Sam Darnold. I think you should stick with him and trade your, your – I think you're going to get like a top 10 pick anyway. So trade your, I don't know, your fifth or your fourth pick and get more first-round draft picks and get more second-round second draft picks and rebuild the system. All right, and get a head coach, whether it's Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy, or anybody. Get somebody that can actually manage this team to at least respectability, because you're going to waste another talented young quarterback in Sam Darnold, and he shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be this, you know, having to carry the team like this. There's nothing around him. Who knows? Maybe if they actually played in New York instead of New Jersey, because New Jersey has a, you know, everybody does, everybody hates New Jersey. Maybe they actually could be consistent product year in, year out. But we all know that wouldn't happen. All right, so I'm done talking about the Jets for the rest of the podcast, because I, I don't need this right now. Coming up, coming up after the break, it's the XFL and Dallas Cowboys topics. See you soon. Welcome back to the podcast. Remember, you can also watch this on Anchor.com and also go to my website at trinity24.wixsite.com. That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y, 24.wixsite.com. If you want to watch the full podcast, my YouTube channel, once again, has various clips from my podcast and maybe some earlier ones. You can watch the entire podcast. Now, let's move on to some XFL news. The XFL is targeting a return in the spring of 2022. Co-owner Dwayne Johnson tweeted the news Thursday morning, and the league followed with an official announcement. Johnson, longtime business partner of Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital Partners, completed their purchase of the league from Vincent Kennedy McMahon for $15 million in August. 
The group was also considering a 2021 season in a one-city bubble structure. Garcia said at the time that those discussions are active. Now, ultimately, the XFL president and chief operating officer Jerry Polak said in a statement, the league did not want to rush its return, which is very smart. You know, new guys in charge. I think it's best for you guys to really put together a big plan to how you're going to run this team, not, not run this team, run this league, for not only this year, but the, for the following season year after. It's all about the foresight. What do you want to be in four years? What, how much money do you want to make? Do you want to add more teams? Do you want to implement new locations to have your games? What do you want to do? How do you want to go about stuff? Uh, the XFL, uh, Polak specifically, said in a statement, for the love of for the love of football and for the love and safety of our players and fans, we'll be back on the field in 2022. The opportunity is in front of us. With our new ownership, is simply too big to rush back. We want to do this properly with care and thought for everyone who loves football, especially our players, coaches, partners, and fans. Now, look, when I first heard that the, I think, The Rock and his partners were purchasing the XFL, I wasn't that thrilled. I wasn't that thrilled. I didn't really care when the XFL came back about a few years ago and Vincent made that announcement on ESPN. I wasn't that thrilled because we already saw it once had a lot of hype and it fell down and it came back had a lot of hype and listen, COVID nineteen did have something, did have you know something to do with it. But then again, it did fold again. So now that's twice. That's twice that we saw an up and coming front. Now, why, why, did I keep saying, why, why did I keep saying franchise? An up-and-coming league fall through the cracks of trying to make maybe a new difference in the, in the world of sports, or at least a new difference in the world of football when it comes to American sports. Because one thing that the NFL has done is just to implement new things to how you visually see the NFL and maybe new rules. And look, I want to see this league have more than one season. I want to see this league make a profit. I want to see this league start to gain traction. And it only gets traction the first month or two, and then it falls down. And in this case, the most recent time, COVID-19 happened. And I love Dwayne Johnson. I think he'll do a decent job. And the decision to wait till the spring of 2022 was the right call. Not only because of COVID-19, but because I think it's the prime opportunity to implement some savvy business strategies so that you can see a second second season, a third season, maybe a tenth season, maybe more teams, new locations, maybe go maybe allow teams to go overseas and play somewhere else. Maybe have a Canadian team. Because the NBA, the MLB have teams in Canada. So who knows? Maybe they are the first team to dip their toes into having a team from Canada travel travel to America and vice versa. And look, I'm not against this league as far as them trying to be something. They can be something. And plus, players who are released don't get drafted or don't get opportunities or don't get opportunities to make teams in general off the practice squad. They can go to the XFL, not make not I mean they, they won't make they won't make NFL money, but they'll make some good XFL money and just at least pay their bills. I mean, they're 22, 23, 19-year-old kids. Any money at that point is big time as far as, you know, you're paying out student loans and whatnot. So, look, I'm happy that the XFL is coming back, but I'm not thrilled about it. I'm going to wait and see from a bird's-eye view of what is going to happen. And they turn out to be a great product on the field. 
and gain traction and not have like, you know, half the stadium, less than half the stadium filled, maybe get half the stadium filled, that'd be great. It's going to take some time, I understand, but I'm just going to wait and see how this plays out. And again, I'm rooting for Dwayne Johnson. I'm a big fan of his since his days in the WWE, even though when I started watching the World Wrestling Entertainment, he wasn't there. He was out there doing movies. But then, hey, I love, I like to see business business people take 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 the small strides and building a league and building up to be something profitable. So hey, look, good luck to you guys. All right, so let's get into Dallas Cowboys news. All right, so first of all, I don't know, I don't know how many of you. By the way, I don't know what four of you listening to this. I don't know how many of you people watched the debates this past Tuesday. It was, that was not entertainment for me. It was embarrassing and it was just annoying. That, people, people viewed it as entertainment. Like, this is comedy, high comedy. No, it's, no, it's not. The Dallas Cowboys are entertainment for me. And here's why. The Cowboys are actually quality. Those guys on the podium on Tuesday were not quality. Now, going away from politics right now, second to football, the Cowboys are just entertainment to me. Not a quality football team. Through three weeks of the NFL season, the Dallas Cowboys lead the NFL with over 1,400 total net yards this season. The offense led by Dak Prescott has been dissecting pass defenses like it's biology class. Dallas is the only team with three players in the top 20 of the NFL in receiving yards. Amari Cooper, Matthew Gallup, and C.D. Lamb have 200 yards plus in receiving yards. Dak Prescott said this at the Dallas Morning News, no doubt this is the most explosive offense I've been a part of. Dallas can put up big points in the blink of an eye, and so can opposing defenses. Dallas Cowboys, like I predicted, one of the worst defenses in the league. Secondary issues and other problems. And another issue is, you can't beat the good teams. And not even just the good teams, even the teams that have like a one win over 500. That was their issue last year, and that's one of the reasons why they were A and 8. Prescott also said, I have to be better with the ball. Receivers have to help me as well, whether it's route running discipline or spacing or whatever it is. Now, look, I'm not criticizing Dak Prescott. I th- he's very good. This isn't a collectively buttoned up team. You guys are 1 and 2, but you could be easily 0 and 3. Here's what saved you the Falcons got in their own way. They once again blew a lead and gave you a free win. You should be 0-3 right now. And you know what else? I, uh, I peeked at ESPN on YouTube with Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, uh, Charlie Caruso, and uh, who's the other guy? I think it was Ryan Clark. And they were talking about which team needs to win more. And look, the, the Browns can lose this game and we'll go win another game the following week. All right? The Browns are going to be a wild card team in my opinion, or at least going to be close to it. There's not, there's not as much expectations as it was last year. If this was the Browns last year, a lot of expectations. But these Cowboys, if they go 1-3 against a team that has a winning record, I mean, that just spells that this team... And by the way, here's why, it's me, here's why it means more. Dak Prescott is trying to get paid. What kind of person can I pay when, you go, when you're 1-3 and three and you lose to the Browns who are 2-1? and one? You can't beat the good teams. What the heck? The point, the point of this segment is, at this moment... I don't believe this team could win a playoff game. Even if they win a division with a 7-9 record, I don't believe this team 
is a playoff team either. The reason why is that not only does the does the division suck, they once again struggle to beat a team with a winning record. You're only you're only good on one side of the ball. You're one of the top teams in giveaways. You can score all the points you want, but like your game against the Seahawks, you're only good enough to keep a keep pace with the teams and then lose at the end. Dallas Cowboys have the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Steelers, Ravens, and Eagles. The Eagles twice. Let's see if they can decisively defeat those teams. One divisional, which are always entertaining on by itself on paper too. And the other teams are capable playoff teams. And I know some people want Dak Prescott paid. Why would you pay him when he's 1-3 at the, at the first quarter of the season and he, loses, and he loses to another team with a winning record? How can I pay you? How can I pay you Patrick Mahomes' money? How can I pay you Deshaun Watson money? I can't. That's the reason why I feel like this team is entertainment for me. Because no matter how many times they lose, there's always there's always people saying, well, this, this, and this, and this. They always point to this. And, and they always make it entertaining for you to watch the games and see how they can lose and still have a glimmer of hope. And the fact that they're in the AMS, NFC East and how they can actually win the, win the division with a bad record, it just spells the comedy of this team. It's very insane. The Cowboys, I think, should win. My opinion, they should win this week. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Browns secondary, and the and they can only the Browns are one dimensional. They can only win one way, and that's running the football and play and do have good play action passing. It's pretty much Kirk Cousins of last season. So if the Cowboys do lose this weekend, I shouldn't be even watching NFC East football because it's just a joke at this point. And I should be and the Cowboys will be again. More more entertainment for me because I get to watch Shan Sharp, you know, go off the rails on him, bringing him hot L's to Club Shay Shay. I get to watch Skip Bayless go crazy over that. I get to watch Stephen A. Smith laugh his butt off on them. I get to watch Max Kellerman, you know, go hypotheticals and talk about the Dallas Cowboys. So it'll be very very fun for me. But it's just it's just sad to see it, but it's, but it's entertainment for me. And there's just a comedy show for me right now. All that all that firepower. And possibly, who knows, one and three to start the season. It's unexcusable. All right, so coming up next, I'll be talking about the Packers. Their wide receiving core is dwindling as you speak due to injuries. And following that, the Bears may have found their savior of the season, Nick Foles. I'll talk more about that coming up after the break. See you soon. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, some of the undefeated teams I'm looking at in the season that are doing really, really well are the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, in the second year with Matt LaFleur, is taking off. He's doing fantastic. But there could be a little bit of a step back coming in this Sunday. No, not Sunday. Monday Night Football, which I think the NFL should reschedule because we don't want to see a 3-0 team versus an 0-3 team on Monday night. Find a team. Find a teams with at least decent records to at least put a good show on in prime time. But other than that, the Packers will host the winless Falcons on Monday Night Football. 
in a game that I think the Packers will win, but the question is, how will they win? Injuries to the Green Bay Packers receiving corps are piling up. Alan Lazard underwent core muscle surgery from Dr. William Myers and will be out at least a month. Devontae Adams is still dealing with a hamstring injury. So that leaves Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Malik Taylor, and Darius Shepard. Note the last two has yet to get on the stat board this season. And Marquez is very inconsistent, especially last year. So that is what Aaron Rodgers has to work with against one of the worst defenses in the league last year and this year. Because the Atlanta Falcons defense got shredded by Nick Foles coming up the bench, Russell Wilson, expected, and Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, expected. So it's going to be very interesting to see if Aaron Rodgers could somehow shred this uh, Falcons defense with the core he has right now. But I think it's also a learning curve for the Packers because let's see what they can do. If I was Matt LaFleur, for one quarter... Just test it out. If get the game, if you get behind two scores, go against the game plan and find something else. But if it, if I was Matt Lafleur, I would try to throw the ball, about like you know, sixty-five percent of the plays. I would see can Marquez, you know, beat out some of the of the the D backs, of the Atlanta Falcons. Can Malik Taylor play? Can Darius Shipper play? I think they should test out the waters in the first quarter, and if nothing goes right and they're not getting open and Aaron Rodgers not is not satisfied with what's going on. You can always lean back on Aaron Jones. And that's the beauty of it. That's the reason why you that's that's the reason why you can't be one dimensional. And that's the reason why at the at the Browns this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, if they get to a shootout, they'll be in trouble. If the game is close, then they can stick to the run game and use play action passing. Once again, this should be a good learning curve for the Packers. Can they throw with the court that they have now? Because again, if that if it goes again if it goes against that then they can always lean on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams for the run game. And now, this can bode great for the Packers if it works out because once you figure out early in the season what you can and can't do on the offensive side of the ball, that bodes well for November and January. Now look, if they struggle out the gates, the passing game again, lean on lean on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and you'll lead to a four straight victory. Now, if they shred the Falcons' defense with the with the practice squad players along with their third wide receiver, then great job. The Packers are great, and Dan Quinn should be fired. And while I'm at it, I'm picking the Packers to win 37-24. The Packers are the better team. They have the better quarterback, and they're on a roll. Matt LaFleur is right now really, really better in the second half because last year he was really good, really good in the first half when he's on script and, you know, the teams haven't been able to adjust after the after the break because the second half he struggled. I think one of the things you can point to as a prime example of them not doing not doing well and adjusting to the game plan and maybe finding a, a new formula was that playoff game against the Seahawks. Now even though they won, they only scored one touchdown in the second half, and that was after because after that first drive in the in the second half by the Packers, they can't do anything. So I think seeing Matt Lafleur be more effective in the second half. Shows that he's growing. It shows that Aaron Rodgers can now rely on better adjustments and better pre-snap plays. And now the fact that they're using a lot of jet motion to identify defensive coverages, this could be a dangerous team in the NFC. And they're more of a, they're not. I wouldn't say they're the biggest threat because I'm not a big fan of their defense. But this could, if this team was like it last year, they could have actually won that NFC Championship game. Who knows? 
So I'm taking the Packers to win this game, 37-24. Again, the defense, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, they could come alive this uh, Monday. Not a big fan of it. Hopefully, this could be the last game of Dan Quinn's Dan Quinn. That way we can get new blood in there and hopefully rebuild this franchise. And I'll talk more about that later on. All right, so let's stick in the NFC North. Let's go into the Bears. They are hosting the Colts this Sunday. And let's be honest, it's a miracle that the Bears are 3-0. The fact that they are is a testament to the head coach McNaggy and the Bears' defense, even though they're not as stout as they were the last two seasons. Now the question is, are the Bears legit? Are they a playoff team? Well, we're about to find out this Sunday. Because they're facing a 2-1 Colts who, are, who looked very, very good the past three weeks, especially the last two weeks with victories over the Jets. And uh, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm blanking on who they beat uh, the previous week. Maybe it's the Vikings. So they beat some decent teams. But at least this, this is a test of the Bears. The Bears have def- the Bears' opponents that, they, that they've beaten are combined 1-8. So how can they beat the Colts? Who have a lot going? Who have a lot going right for them right now? So let's look at what the what's working against the Bears. The Colts have the top-ranked pass defense through three games, allowing 132 pass y- yard, yards passing. By those numbers, you would think this is like a 1970s game. And honestly, if Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> did play this game, they probably would get blown out because you can't throw the football, you can't do anything. And since Nick Foles isn't really that mobile, he can't really escape trouble like Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. The Bears' defense has not been stout against the run, which plays right into the Colts' hands and right into Frank Wright's creative mind. Because Phillip Rivers is not mobile at all. He, I mean, snails move faster than him, so they can get the ball right to Jonathan Taylor. So here's what, here's what I think, and here's what I propose. The Bears need to focus on stopping the Colts' rush attack and force Phillip Rivers to throw the football. And by the way, he's very erratic. And also, Khalil Mack, those linebackers, rush him. He can't move. Again, snails move faster than him. And now, on the offensive side of the ball, once again, the Colts' defense is number one in the league. They're, very, they're, they're, they're good against the run, and they're great against the pass. So what I'm thinking is, you got to get creative. One of the things you can't do against a good defense is line up straight up if you're not that talented on offense. You can't line up straight up against them and just beat them. Sometimes you got to put a little wrench in the, in the armor. You know, be creative, trick play, smoke and mirrors, anything to keep the Colts' defense off balance. And I think one of the things I can point to is uh, Sean McVay. Just be creative, rollouts, a lot of motion, a lot of movements. Just find ways to get players in space. And don't make it so basic. Try just get add more flavor to the meat. Figure it out. It'll work. Now here's what I think is going to win. The Colts will win, in my opinion. The Colts are finding their groove early in the season. I think they're the better team. Plus, I think that the Bears' victories against the way below subpar talent isn't really something to, something to brag about. So I think them facing a better team will be a wake-up call to how they should play against the better teams. And plus, hey, look. You can gain respect in this league by a loss. That's why you have to watch the games. Let's look at the Packers, for example. The Packers last year were 3-0 for the first three games of this season. But the way they played certain teams, it didn't really come off as they were a threat to win the Super Bowl. They could make the playoffs, but they weren't a threat. 
this year's Packers team is a team that's like, okay, that's a team I can see making the conference championship game, and who knows, make it make the Super Bowl. Explosive on offense, and if they fix the defense, they have really good linebackers, really good a really good lineman, and when they get um. Rashawn Gary back on the on the defensive line, who knows? Maybe they can actually be a top twelve defense, which is what Aaron Rodgers would be okay with. Top ten would be better, but hey, if you're above half, I'm okay with that. So look, if the Bears play an excellent game, a close game, like 24-21, then I think people people will start to look at them and say, okay, there's something there. They can be something. They can actually compete against the top teams, and who knows? Maybe challenge Rodgers in the division. If they win, that helps a lot, and it keeps them pace with the Packers. And they will. And then that first meeting between them will be a great 4:30 game, eight o'clock primetime game. So who knows? All right. So coming up next on the show, I'll talk about the Monday Night Mayhem that Lamar Jackson went through against Patrick Mahomes. Coming up after that, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans. Their game during week four has been postponed. I'll talk about that also. And also following that, the Falcons blew a lead again last week. So I'll talk about them and what they need to do as a franchise going forward. That's coming up soon. Stay stay tuned. And I'll see you guys in the future. By future, I mean about 30 seconds. See you there. Do you know what I love about the NFL, particularly about Andy Reid's Chiefs? It's creativity. It's fun. And it's like schoolyard, backyard, backyard football. Ain't, like It's free real estate. All things that go, hey, Andy Reid, what kind of play do you have? What do you want? It's like a free menu. It's like the thickest menu of all time. I mean, if that guy's menu is that big, he would like, like Red Lobster to be that big. Andy Reid is great. Andy Reid is awesome. Patrick Mahomes is great. And the one person that suffers from this is Lamar Jackson. So let's get into the game that happened this past Monday in Baltimore, Maryland, where I'm currently hailing. The Chiefs defeated the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. It was a blowout. Lamar Jackson played poorly. The Ravens' defense had no answers for Mahomes. And Andy Reid outcoached John Harbaugh again. The third straight year in a row. Third straight year in a row, the Ravens had to watch Lamar Jackson celebrating victory because Lamar Jackson didn't play well enough. And the fact the defense couldn't stop the freaking 15 on the other side of the field. The Ravens' defense had no answers to the speed of the Chiefs receivers. And I think the one thing that pops out to you when it comes to the how the Ravens played was the Marcus Peters when he jumped on a crossing pattern. And it turns out one guy went, went right behind him. And went for a touchdown to put him up, I think, what, 17 to 10 or 27 to 10 at that time. The Chiefs' creativity and, quite frankly, Patrick Mahomes' playmaking was a difference. They tried blitzing. Didn't work. They tried playing back in coverage and zone defense. Didn't work. Let's force him to his left. Oh, it didn't work because he could throw a back across his body because he's that damn good. Patrick Mahomes has the Ravens' number. And who suffers from this? Lamar Jackson. Once again, he couldn't keep pace with Patrick Mahomes. Couldn't throw his way back into the game. This is, why? Because this is a run-first team. This, this was out of the element from the second quarter and the entire second half. 
What makes this worse is the fact that the Chiefs are without their top top corner, Bashad Breeland. The secondary is not, not is not really all that great. Only one player that you really recognize is Tyron Matthew. All the other players are somewhat good, but nothing that you fear. Now, everyone is going to say Lamar Jackson can't throw. He's a running back. First of all, he can't throw. He just can't throw from behind. Those are two different things. The Browns' defense is ranked in the top 10, and he shredded it. He played well against the Texas secondary. He can't throw. He just can't throw from behind. All right? There's a difference. Andy Reid once again threw out creative plays, unfamiliar formations, and just let Patrick Mahomes rip it up. Steve Spagnuolo devised a great plan of rushing Lamar Jackson and getting him out of his comfort zone. John Harbaugh had no answers on both sides of the ball. And before you crush Lamar Jackson, let me tell you this right, right, right now. Because apparently, I'm, if I'm speaking to a young audience, let me educate you. If I'm speaking to an older audience, you guys forgot. Do you guys remember Peyton Manning's first, what, five or six games against the Patriots? He went 0-6 and played like a rookie in every single time. Regular season and playoffs. And guess what? He finally got his day many years later, and now people always recognize his rivalry because of how he played the second half of the games of the series compared to the first times they did play. Lamar Jackson got annihilated. He played terribly. He, he ran the rush yards for about as equal as his passing yards, which is never a good thing, and both of them were under 100 yards. I'm not saying that. I'm not giving him any excuses. He played terribly. But to say that he's a bad quarterback or he's a running quarterback that can't throw, I think he's a throwing quarterback that can run. Why not, why not use his running ability to make it easier for him to throw? That's what, I mean, Baker Mayfield gets to do it. He runs a, he runs a, it's a, it's play, he uses play action passing all the time. Some people need a running game. For Lamar Jackson, it's himself a lot of times to help it easier to throw the football. Because that's how you actually work this offense. This is, the, this is Lamar Jackson's offense. As he ages, as he gets more comfortable throwing the football, and as he starts to figure out how to throw from behind is where you're going to start to think differently. And then the wins will start to amount. And then this rivalry will be remembered as one of the best in the modern day. Will it be better than Manning and Brady? I don't know. It has a magnitude to be very, very similar, but I don't know. But don't rip it up right now, man. Lamar Jackson is still a great is still a great young quarterback. Only three losses. I think he only lost four games in his entire career. Yeah, he only lost three regular season games and one play and one game he lost in the playoffs. Lost to the Titans and lost to the Browns and lost three times to Mahomes and, and company. He'll be fine. Don't give up hope and don't start labeling him as a running quarterback that can't throw. He's a quarterback that can run. Mobile quarterback, dual threat. Steve Young. Randall Cunningham, whatever you want to say, he can do it. It hasn't, hasn't come yet. And once it does come, it's going to be remembered, and it's going to be on TV, and everybody's going to be watching it. Now, let's talk about, let's talk, let's talk about this, these teams individually. The Chiefs are not experiencing a Super Bowl hangover, which I didn't think they would. I mean, Andy Reid has dealt with huge losses before and has come back. So if you win, I doubt he's going to have a bad time dealing with this team after all. And COVID-19 did help the did help them matter because 
not only did they not party, but they couldn't. So they had to focus on the important things. Film, route running, lifting weights, and whatnot. Their defense is solid. Their offense is humming like crazy. And Andy Reid is just having fun out there, messing with defenses. The Ravens will be fine. The only team to truly have their numbers the Chiefs. The Ravens can still smash the Bengals. The Browns, they could split with the Steelers. And they could wreak havoc against the rest of, the, of their schedule. The next game is against Washington. Subpar quarterback that struggled against Cleveland and that secondary, which is also suspect. In my opinion, they should win this game. Ron Rivera has struggled against Kyler Murray, a mobile quarterback. So, so expect the Ravens to win by two touchdowns. The Chiefs, well, they face Bill Belichick, one of the kryptonites of this team. I will talk more about this game later on in the show. But expect this game to be closer and possibly shocking. I think... Okay, I'm not going to review who I think is going to win. But expect this game to be very, very close. With Belichick, anything is possible with them. Alright, so let's get into a, let's get into one of the games this Sunday that will not be taking place. And this is not more this is not mostly my analysis. This is me reporting on what's going on. The Pittsburgh Steelers Tennessee Titans game will not be played during week four. Two additional Titans players tested positive for COVID-19. According to a statement from the NFL, quote, the decision to postpone the game was made to ensure the health and safety of players, coaches, and game day personnel. The Titans facility will remain closed and the team will continue to have no in-person activities until further notice. The announcement comes a day after the NFL said the game, which had originally been scheduled for Sunday, had been postponed to Monday or Tuesday. Right now, it's currently postponed to a later date. Vrabel, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Vrabel, said Thursday, quote, they wanted to play. They were preparing to play, but I think that they understood and realized why the decision was made. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin acknowledged being Quote, disappointed that his team won't play this week. Quote, but we understand the nature of this environment we're in in 2020. And so we're just adjusting accordingly, end quote, Tomlin said. All right, so the Minnesota Vikings, who who played the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, have had no positive results in coronavirus testing. And their facility was reopened Thursday, which is honestly very shocking to me. I'm surprised that the Vikings had not one person get COVID-19, especially one of the players. So that's impressive, but also also very shocking. Now, the NFL has to figure out how to reschedule a game between two of its seven undefeated teams after the league's first COVID-19 outbreak. Sources told Schefter that the, that the most likely scenario for rescheduling will be to play the game in week seven on October 25th, the Titans' original bye week. Pittsburgh is scheduled to play at Baltimore that week, but both the Steelers and Ravens have buys in Week 8, which would allow the NFL to make a change affecting only one other team. So the NFL is making some decisions and trying to figure out how they're going to manage to reschedule this game. I think it's very impressive the fact that it took till Week 4 for us to finally get an outbreak and see how the NFL is going to conduct the whole thing and see how teams are reacting to this. It's very impressive to see the fact that they made it this long. 
Now, as the season goes on, there's going to be more reports about this. And again, the NFL may have to make more scheduling changes. And who knows? This may, in effect, push the, the schedule maybe farther later and reschedule the Super Bowl for a later date in February. Who knows? But as long as the teams are following protocol and the NFL is doing its best to make sure these teams are safe and make sure these games are played at appropriate times, that way they're not messing up the team's recovery because you don't want to have to play a, you know, a Monday night game and play a Thursday night game. That's not fair. So make sure that when you're scheduling these games, each team has given ample amount of time to rest and game plan for the next game. NFL is doing a good job. So praise for them. All right, so coming up next, the Falcons, once again, blew another fourth quarter lead. Back-to-back games. What should they do with their franchise? I'll discuss that coming up soon. Following that, a lot of people are feeling that their championship teams, or at least their 3-0 teams, are Super Bowl contenders. I will talk about what makes a Super Bowl team. That's coming up also. And lastly, we're coming close to the end of the show. Three games that I think you guys need to look out for. That's coming up soon. Stay tuned. 30 seconds. I'll be back. Do you know what's worse? Then blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter is doing it again. You're blowing another lead again. And you know what's worse than that? Blowing it for a third time when the previous week you did it for the second time. How does a team just blow leads like this? You know what? Falcons, blow it up. Blow up the entire core. Head coach Dan Quinn, you're out. GM Thomas Dimitrov, you're out. Mike Ryan, Julio Jones, Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, just rebuild the whole franchise. The Falcons have not been the same since 28-3. Back-to-back games, they blew a fourth-quarter lead. Against the Cowboys, you didn't have to, you have the sense to fall on the ball when it rode past you on the onside kick. And against the Bears, you couldn't finish off your opponent, could you? You just couldn't do it. It wasn't bad enough that you were beat up Mitchell Trubisky. We could have had you beat up Nick Foles. And the entire franchise is now linked to blown leads. You are worse than a drug dealer. Congratulations. Forget the Golden State Warriors. The Falcons should be associated with collapsing when the opponent is down for the count. It's like Muhammad Ali knocking out somebody, then still losing. Like, how do you, how's that even possible? I cannot believe this team. With all this talent, could underperform so much and so often over the past two to three years. You think the Steelers' disappointment in fans and wasted years over the last like decade was bad? This is right up there. This team needs to rebuild the system. Dan Quinn, you had a nice run, but it's time for you to go back to being a defensive coordinator. Matt Ryan, you look older than you are. I mean, you look older than your actual age is. And I think Atlanta needs a new franchise quarterback and a new start. If they can, they need to trade some of their top talent. They need to get rid of some players for draft picks. They need, they need a new head coach, a new GM, a new culture. Eric B. Enemy. <coughs> Eric B. Enemy. Hire his ass. They need a competent GM to put the pieces together. They need everything. Lastly, 
They need Febreze. They need a, they need soap. They need scrub. They need something. Cause you know what? You know what smells worse than a skunk? Twenty-eight to three. That stench is still in their nostrils. This could be. This could very much be the most famous Super Bowl hangovers of all time. Check this out. The Falcons have won four games during the months of September and October since their last playoff appearance. So that was like, what, 2017? Since then, four games that they've won during the first two months of the season. This franchise isn't the same anymore. I picked them to go 6-10 this year. This may be a four-win team. The Buccaneers and the Saints are the superior teams in this division. Forget the, forget the fact that the Saints are 1-2. and two. The, They are still a good team, and they can beat the Falcons easily if, if I, on any given day. They will split the Panthers, which isn't saying much. They have the Packers, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. This team could be in line for Trevor Lawrence, and I think they should pick him. He's cheaper, he's younger, and you need a culture change. And you need, you need a new everything. It's sad because I had so much faith in you guys. I had faith in you guys. But then you blew like six more fourth quarter leads and now I'm sad. Now I'm mad. This team needs to rebuild. I'm saying for the fifth time that this team needs to rebuild the system. Okay? Give up Julio Jones. Trade him to the Packers or trade him to the, I don't know, the Patriots or something. Give, give him away. Give him some draft picks. Get, get rid of Keanu Neal, who's a great safety. Get rid of Tyler, Tyler Gurley, who's injury prone. Get rid of Dan Quinn. Have him go to the go to a team that needs a defensive coordinator. I think I think the Jets need need a new GM or something. Or just, just do something, all right? I can't. I had faith in them last year, and they disappointed me. And I have no faith in them this year, and they disappointed me again. So... There's nothing I can do for this team. There's nothing I can do to support them. All I can say is, is this. You need to blow it up. All right? Restart the culture. It'll be, it'll be much easier on the fans to know that you'll be bad intentionally because you're trying to be good in the future than instead of trying to be good and being bad just because you're just a terrible run team. From head coach. And right now, look, I like Dim- Dimitrov. But look, you just need a new, you just need a new surrounding. Just rebuild the, rebuild the system. All right, so I'm done ranting on the Atlanta Falcons. That was awesome to do. And I mentioned Super Bowl and their name in the same sentence. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. Entering Week Four, some sports analysts have mentioned Super Bowl for some of their teams. They mentioned the Seahawks. They mentioned the Packers, Buccaneers, Chiefs, and the Ravens. And I think it's too early for some of the teams that are beat up on bad teams and some of the good teams that are struggling to say maybe they're in the championship hunt. Plus, some of the teams that are good, I don't think are championship caliber teams. I have a certain criteria that convinces me that, this, that these teams can win a Super Bowl. The first is, do you have a great quarterback? Mahomes proved that in the playoffs last year. Do you have a better defense? It could be one key game changing turnover like Super Bowl 52 or just a just defensive dominance like in Super Bowl 50. Finally, who has the better coach? Belichick proved that in 53 when he outcoached Sean McVay. Here's an example of a team that I don't think can win a Super Bowl. Seattle Seahawks. They give up an average of 500 yards passing. Not in total yards, just passing. 
Another example is Matt Lafleur. What if, what if, like a what if scenario? Patriots versus Packers in a Super Bowl. You think a second-year head coach is going to outcoach Belichick? I doubt it. The Saints are championship talks. Drew Brees doesn't throw the ball down, down doesn't throw the ball deep anymore. Nickel and Dominic can only can only do wonders for you and your completion percentage, but you can't stretch the, the defense and force them to back up. You'll struggle. Nickel and Dominic can only do well for you for like a limited amount of time, maybe the first quarter, but nothing else. Drew Brees might get hammered in a rematch against the Buccaneers, for all we know. Now look, it's still early. The first bye week for teams hasn't occurred yet. Some teams will get their players back, make moves at the trade deadline, make in-season adjustments, and who knows, maybe my point of view will change. But there's a reason why some teams haven't been back to the championship game in decades. There are reasons why certain teams get blown out in Super Bowls, and there are reasons why no matter what squad the front office and coaches put together, they will always be competitive. Alright, so we're reaching the end of the show. Stay tuned for Trinity's Week 4, three intriguing games to look out for, and why I think... Well, actually, no, I'm not doing that topic. I might do that topic next week. But, yeah, three games that I think are very intriguing for this week of football. One game from the 1 o'clock session, one game from the 4.30 session, and one game for either or of the primetime games for Sunday and Monday. Stay tuned. All right, we have reached the final segment of today, the intriguing games to watch. First game, Browns and the Cowboys. Now, you don't have to believe that the Browns are good or not. That's not the issue. Last week, the Cowboys once again lost to a team that had a winning record in a close game. Dallas needs this victory so the narrative can be put to rest for a while and that Prescott can move closer to prove that he's worth the contract. Should they be worried about Cleveland? I mean, hello, did you guys not see last year's squad? They lost to Mitchell Trubisky on Monday Night Football, or wasn't it Sunday Night Football, I don't remember. They also lost to the winless Jets and the loss to the Eagles practice squad players in Week 16. I'm picking Dallas to win 37-20. The Browns secondary is ranked 23rd in the league. Outside of Dwayne Haskins Jr., they were shredded by the good quarterbacks. Alden Smith is playing out of his mind. Everson Griffin is still productive. If you put heat on Mayfield, he will fold. Dallas should win comfortably. But I would not be shocked, and I'll be a little bit okay because it because of the entertainment show that Dallas is, if they lost. So Dallas, I'm picking you to win 37-20. Patriots versus Chiefs, 430 game. I'm taking the Chiefs to win 23-20. I think the Patriots will give the Chiefs a run for their money. Here's what works for the New England Patriots. That rushing attack, the secondary being familiar with Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs are coming off a high after stopping the Ravens six feet under on Monday night. I think the Patriots will take advantage of the Chiefs high and maybe catch them off guard a few times. But here's why I think the Chiefs will win this game. It's their first home game since the home opener. Mahomes has had good games against Belichick. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could be the difference maker. 
Kareem Hunt had Kareem Hunt destroyed this defense in his first game in his career. Hilaire could be the same under Reed's game planning. So I'm taking the Chiefs to win 23 to 20. All right, so the final game. This is this is the last game. Eagles versus 49ers. Both teams need a victory here for different reasons. The 49ers need to win this week and against Miami next week. After that game, they face from week 6 to week 13. Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Rams, and Bills. That is no cakewalk. Get the wins now while you're hurt, and hopefully you'll win 3 out of 7 and still be in the race for a wild card spot. Because because I think the Seahawks will take this division. The Eagles need a win just for heaven's sake. Carson Wentz isn't playing well. Offensive line is suspect. Doug Peterson is changing things up and it still isn't working. They tied the Bengals who won't win 5 games this year. I'm taking the Eagles to win 24-16. This is a must win for the Eagles to keep their head above water. Carson Wentz is fighting for respect. And really, if they lose this game to an injury-riddled 49ers team, this could end their season. This could force some changes to a once well-put-together team. So hopefully I do well this week. Um... I uh, I'm I'm doing well this this year as far as game game picking. I'm like I think I'm currently uh I'm currently uh what am I in right now? I'm trying to look at this right now. Uh, seven and two right now. I'm seven and two. I've uh, picked the wrong game for the Chiefs and Ravens game and the Cowboys and Rams game. I picked the wrong outcome on that. But other than that, I'm doing pretty well. Okay, so thank you for listening to the NFL News Edition of the Atlantic Discussion Podcast. I will be posting more of old podcasts on Anchor.com. There will be one selective clip every week on YouTube. Please visit my Instagram page, one man island underscore productions, and also check out my website at trinity24.wixsite.com. That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y-24.wixsite.com. Both of those links are in the description below. Also make sure to check out videos I have on my YouTube channel, One Man Island Productions. I have sports highlights, radio interviews, and more. I am Trinity Collins. Stay safe, respect others, and wear a mask because our, our leader of the free world, along with the first lady, has come down with, with COVID-19. So, so hey, you, you can get it too. Stay safe, and I'll see you guys in the future.